Okay, now, just for a warning, once again, as stated in the beginning of the message, I'm going to remind you, this message is a message with some pretty heavy content that is not appropriate for young ears. So, if you do have young ones about, once again, this is a reminder to be listening either to this message in private or get the young ones out of sound range, please. All right. Now, for our next little topic is going to have two comparative scriptures or texts. And I am going to apologize in advance. And, of course, as before, at the very beginning here, I do want to have you warned, if you don't have the little ones out of sound range, I do suggest it now. Now, also, as I said, I do apologize in advance for those who are victims of this very issue. I do apologize. However, for those who have been victims of this particular crime, you may want to stick around because you sure enough are going to be shouting for my views on what I think should be done to every perpetrator because the Bible makes it very plain what should be done to every perpetrator. Okay? For every one of those who are the perpetrator, the, the bad guy, the Bible makes it very plain what every bad guy should get. Okay? You are going to be shouting by the end of this. Okay? So, let's first look at the comparative verses. And then, we are going to look at the comparative verses on this subject. And then, we are going to deal with the topic. Okay? First verse First comparative text is found in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 to 29, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 to 29, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 through 29. If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto an husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then ye shall bring them both out unto the gate of that city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die. The damsel, because she cried not, being in the city, and the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife. So thou shalt put away evil from among you. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is in the damsel no sin worthy of death. For as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the field, and the betrothed damsel cried, and there was none to save her. If a man find a damsel that is a virgin which is not betrothed, and lay hold on her and lie with her, and they be found, then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife. Because he hath humbled her, he may not put her away all his days. Okay, our second comparative text on this issue is found in Genesis. Genesis chapter 34, verses 1 through 30. Genesis chapter 34, verses 1 through 30. 
Genesis chapter 34, verses 1 through 30. And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel, and spake kindly unto the damsel. And Shechem spake unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his cattle in the field, and Jacob held his peace until they were come. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out unto Jacob to commune with him. And the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very wroth, because he had wrought folly in Israel in lying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. And Hamor communed with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longeth for your daughter. I pray you, give her him to wife, and make ye marriages with us, and give your daughters unto us, and take our daughters unto you. And ye shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell, and trade ye therein, and get you possessions therein. And Shechem said unto her father, and unto her brethren, Let me find grace in your eyes, and what ye shall say unto me I will give. Ask me never so much dowry and gift, and I will give according as ye shall say unto me, but give me the damsel to wife. And the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor his father deceitfully, and said, Because he had defiled Dinah their sister. And they said unto them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one that is uncircumcised, for that were a reproach unto us. But in this will we consent unto you. If ye will be as we be, that every male of you be circumcised, then will we give our daughters unto you, and we will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if ye will not hearken unto us to be circumcised, then we will take our daughter, and we will be gone. And their words pleased Hamor, and Shechem, Hamor's son. And the young man deferred not to do the thing, because he had delight in Jacob's daughter, and he was more honorable than all the house of his father. And Hamor and Shechem his son came unto the gate of their city, and communed with the men of their city, saying, These men are peaceable with us, therefore let them dwell in the land and trade therein. For the land, behold, it is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us for wives, and let us give them our daughters. Only herein will the men consent unto us for to dwell with us to be one people, if every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. Shall not their cattle and their substance and every beast of theirs be ours? Only let us consent unto them, and they will dwell with us. And unto Hamor and unto Shechem his son hearkened all that went out of the gate of his city, and every male was circumcised, all that went out of the gate of his city. And it came to pass on the third day, when they were sore, the two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brethren, took each man his sword, and came upon the city boldly, and slew all the males. And they slew Hamor and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword, and took Dinah out of Shechem's house, and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain, and spoiled the city, because they had defiled their sister. They took their sheep, and their oxen, and their asses, and that which was in the city, and that which was in the field, and all their wealth, and all their little ones, and their wives took they captive, and spoiled even all that was in the house. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, Ye have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I, being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Okay. I'm about to deal with, like I said, a very 
harsh subject that, as I said, I already apologize. I do apologize in advance for those who have been victims of this very tragic issue. The issue of rape. Now, for you who have been victims of this, I apologize. But yet at the same time, for you who have been victims of this, you're going to like my views on this. And that is this. It is sad that our country has gone backwards. And that our laws have gone backwards and literally slapped the hands of the perpetrator, the, the, the creeps who are doing this. Now, what am I trying to say? No, it has nothing to do with, uh, and I'm sorry, they used that example in the court of law. They take this stupid defense attorney who gets into the court and holds a needle and has you, the victim, holding a piece of thread and saying, well, would you try threading this needle? Well, why don't they allow you to hold a gun to that attorney's head and give you the opportunity to hold the gun and say, uh, a loaded gun to his head and say, now, will you hold the needle straight? All of a sudden, then the scenario would be equal to what you went through. Yes, it would. But no, they will not permit you to hold a gun in that courtroom to make the scenario correct. So no, that scenario is not equal to what you were victimized with. And I say you were victimized. Rape is a crime against a woman who had no desire to be touched. That is what rape is. It is not, this is not sex that is wanted or desired. This is sex, a crime against not a person. It's actually a crime against the person. It's against their heart, against their emotions. It's against everything against that person. It tears up everything about them. Now, let me just say it this way. The Bible had the answer. <laughs> this time, the Bible had the answer. Read what it said. It said, now, if the woman cried out, which most women do when they're being raped, if she screamed and somebody heard her, 90% of the time when a woman screams out, because usually the, when the perpetrator is doing something, they, they get at least one small opportunity and they scream. What happens? Guaranteed they always have one small opportunity to scream and God knew it. God said, what? 
if it was found out, hello, Mr. Perpetrator, hello, Mr. Criminal, uh, it wasn't a slap on your wrist. That was the end of your life. And you noticed that the laws hadn't changed up until the end of the 1800s. Uh-uh. All they did, the type of punishment changed a little bit, but you still were killed. It was a necktie party. Yeah, it used to be a stoning. They rocked your butt to sleep. They gave you a rock concert in your own honor in the Jewish way. But in America, they strung you up from a high oak tree a pine tree or whatever they could find. They strung your butt up and they gave you a necktie party in your honor. But either way, that was the end of you. You robbed a bank, same thing. If you were caught, you were done. But all of a sudden today, crimes like that, oh, now, now, now. Pat, you slap your little hand and say, now, now, Charlie. Let's give you a couple years and send you out to do it again. Uh, I'm sorry. The Bible had to answer to those crimes. The Bible had the answer to them crimes. You were caught, buddy. You got, mm, buddy. Whew. Oh, yeah. Hello. The victims of these crimes really got to see justice. And uh, our jails would not be half as full yes this is one preacher oh well come on preacher don't you believe in being merciful I believe in being merciful but I also believe that there wouldn't be half as many crimes committed if we did it the Bible way why because if the crime if the criminal knew that if you did the crime you'd do the time what? They would know that you wouldn't be doing the crime. The problem is we've been slapping so many people on the hand like a little three-year-old and sending them out to do the crime again. They know that, eh. And what? We send them to these luxury hotels. They're not jail. Uh, buddy, if you were back in the days of the Egyptian jails, you wouldn't be doing the crime again. It wasn't a jail. That was a dungeon where you had rats, water, up to your ankles. Okay? You, you, it was musty, damp, and all that. You, it wasn't no pleasure three-star hotel with three meals a day. Buddy, that was hardcore time. But no, you got your luxury hotel now, uh, buddy. You got a, you 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 got your lucky stars. You got your three star hotel now. Even though it's got the chain gangs in some of these states now that still have the chain gangs, like down in Texas and a few places, buddy, you got luxury compared to what they used to have back in that day. You got to thank God you do. You got a three-star hotel even there compared to what they did in the Bible. You do. 
you got a three-star hotel even there compared to what the Bible and some of those jails were. So don't complain. You did the crime. You raped somebody. You were dead. You knew that if you were going to do something like that, you better make it worth the crime because you were dead. So the Bible made it plain. The Bible made it plain that if you killed a woman, you were dead. It was that simple. And then in the book of Genesis, here's the sad part. There's this guy. He fell in love with Jacob's daughter, Dinah. He rapes her, as the story is told. And instead of killing her, or killing her husband at first, Jacob tries to give forgiveness. Allows him to marry her. Marry her. Now, I can imagine what that woman went through. Having to live with her rapist. Now, I'm sorry. I would never expect a woman to live with her rapist. Because she'd end up having to live with those memories the rest of her life. Now, I'm sorry to say, I have to say, I have to agree with the young the brothers, even though their method of deceit and using the law, the Jewish law, that the way they used it to deceive the husband, in this case, what would be Dinah's husband, into trickery to kill him was wrong, but the fact was they should have just strung his butt up in the first place. Excuse my French, but that's what they should have done. But the fact was they did still get justice. Amen. They got justice. But the fact is, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, I'm sorry. But uh, deceit wasn't the way to go about getting that justice and to get that. They wanted revenge. They wanted justice. They should have went about it a different way. And they were right. He shouldn't have, they, they shouldn't have treated his sister, their sister, like a whore. And then have her married off to this guy. Why? Because that wasn't the way to go about it. Now, I'm sorry. The man raped her, and then to have her married off to this guy and knowing what, at least they had the right idea. But the idea of using the Jewish tradition, the Jewish laws, Mosaic laws, just to go ahead of the Jewish law of circumcision just to deceive this guy, knowing that while they're trying to recover, and then while they're weak, to kill them off while they're weak I think was a dirty rotten scheme but at least it got the job done but I mean I would have waited and taken them on an honest battle because God would have allowed them to win that way 
I think he would have allowed them to win, knowing what they did, because they were dirty, rotten scumbags. But the fact was, I'll be honest with you, they were reprobates for messing with her the way he did. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, now we're going to deal with an issue is known as incest. Incest, that is where a father messes with his daughter or a brother messes with his sister or a mother messes with her son. Incest, okay? This is sex within a family. Incest, there are nine texts, comparative texts on this issue. The first is found in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 18, verses 6 to 18. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 6 to 18. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 6 to 18. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of thy father's wife shalt thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. The nakedness of thy sister, the daughter of thy father, or daughter of thy mother, whether she be born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover. The nakedness of thy son's daughter, or of thy daughter's daughter, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover, for theirs is thine own nakedness. The nakedness of thy father's wife's daughter, begotten of thy father, she is thy sister, thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's sister, she is thy father's near kinswoman. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy mother's sister, for she is thy mother's near kinswoman. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's brother. Thou shalt not approach to his wife, she is thine aunt. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy daughter-in-law, she is thy son's wife. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy brother's wife, it is thy brother's nakedness. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter, Neither shalt thou take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness, for they are her near kinswomen. It is wickedness. Neither shalt thou take a wife to her sister to vex her, to uncover her nakedness beside the other in her lifetime. Then we go to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter uh, 20, verses 11 and 12. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. Leviticus chapter 20, Verses 11 and 12. And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man lie with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. The next text is found in the same chapter, in fact. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 14. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 14. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 14. And if a man take a wife and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among you. Now we continue in the same chapter of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 20. Now verse 17. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 17. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 17. 
and that a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and she see his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He hath uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his iniquity. Now we continue on in Leviticus 20. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. And thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy mother's sister, nor of thy father's sister, for he uncovereth his near kin. They shall bear their iniquity. And if a man shall lie with his uncle's wife, he hath uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin. They shall die childless. And if a man shall take his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He hath uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. And then we go to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 30. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 30. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 30. A man shall not take his father's wife, nor discover his father's skirt. Now continue on in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 20. Cursed be he that lieth with, his lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt. And all the people shall say, Amen. Now we continue on in the same chapter of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 22 and 23. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 22 and 23. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 22 and 23. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Amen. And finally, the last verse, first, last setting of Scripture about this incest issue is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Okay. So, what is incest? <laughs> well, it is basically, these texts are talking about somebody who messes with somebody else in their family, their very close family. Brothers, sisters, mothers, daughters, sons, fathers, that kind of thing. Uncles, aunts in the family, very close blood relatives. And no, Dr. Broadbottom and the students at Baylor University worshiping Baal, these verses are not talking about mixed bathing where somebody gets in a bathing suit, goes out in the lake, a guy in his bathing trunks, and a woman in a bathing suit, no matter how much she's wearing, and gets in a bathing suit and they're in a swimming pool or whatever. Even if they are close relatives has nothing to do with, as they call it, mixed bathing. 
has nothing to do with swimming. Read your Bible. It says that they got together and had sex. Goofballs. Can't you read your Bible? Obviously, you can't read. You need to go and learn how to read. <laughs> says they got together. You went in onto each other. Duh. But then again, I wonder how you got a doctorate. All through this message, I've been over and over wondering how you got a doctorate, how you ever went to college, how you ever became a professor. You know? Over and over. How in the world did you ever end up with a doctorate anyway, Dr. Broadbottom? How in the world did you ever teach your students anyway? No wonder they're so messed up. I'll tell you why they're messed up. Because you'd been teaching them a bunch of false garbage because you couldn't even read. It's obvious. If they had sex, sex and a bathing suit don't have nothing to do with each other. The only reason they might have something to do with each other is that they made out in the water. Oh, yeah, there are some that do it. Yeah, there's some that do it, but it had nothing to do with, has nothing to do with the bathing suit. A bathing suit is nothing more than a piece of cloth, okay? Well, your problem is you're going back to the Puritan and Victorian eras where it says, ew, well, it would be wrong to show that much skin. You got to have it all the way up to your chin and all the way down to your ankles and all the way to your wrist, and you can't show anything. Why don't you become a Muslim? Huh? And barely show your face and have your veil. Knowing you, you probably have a hidden bomb underneath you so you can blow up people too. Duh. Amen. Amen. And amen. Okay, now the next section I want to deal with has three comparative scriptures. It has to do with those who want to, that are human, but what do they want to do? They want to have sex with animals. It's called bestiality, okay? The first one is found in Exodus chapter 22, verse 19. Exodus chapter 22, verse 19. Exodus chapter 22 and verse 19. Whosoever lieth with a beast shall surely be put to death. The next one is found in Leviticus chapter 20, verses 15 and 16. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 15 and 16. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 15 and 16. And if a man lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. And if a woman approach unto any beast and lie down thereto, thou shalt kill the woman and the beast. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And finally... The last one about bestiality is found in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 21. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 21. Deuteronomy chapter 27, and verse 21. Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast, and all the people shall say, Amen. Ooh, Lord. You catch it? This thing about having sex... With animals? See, people think that's a new thing. <laughs> that's not new. Homosexuality and lesbianism is not new. Sex with animals is not new. That's older than the hills, man. Even God knew about it. <laughs> it's right there in the Mosaic Law. 
He said, if a man lies down with a beast, an animal, you kill the man and the animal. If a woman lies down with an animal, that means have sex with it, you kill the woman and the animal. Plain and simple, God says that's disgusting, it's wrong. Why? Because a woman and an animal cannot produce an offspring, can't produce a child. A man and an animal cannot, hello, it's the same thing as two men cannot produce a child and two women cannot produce a child. Once again, it doesn't make sense. It, only, it always has taken one man and one mo woman to produce one child at least. But no, these people have tried all these other techniques to produce a child or other ways of doing sex, God said, no, it don't cut it. There's only one proper way, a man and a woman. Why? Because they're going to produce children, and that's how you end up with the family lines to continue. God knew it best, and he knew that a man and a dog or a man and a horse do not make children a man and a bird don't make children a man and a cat don't make children a woman and a cat don't make children a woman and a horse don't make children okay a woman and a cow don't make children it don't take rocket science to make that come out yeah crossbreeding in animals Sometimes work, you get a horse and a, and a mule, you, a horse and a donkey, you, a horse and a mule, you cross breed them and you get a donkey, okay? Some people know that, but it, you cannot cross breed a woman and a male horse and get a, 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 a human horse, a half horse and half human. It don't work. Okay, so let's get real. There are some species you can crossbreed and some you cannot. So let's use our heads here, okay? So all you have to do is open your Bible, read it, and weep. Okay, now here comes an interesting issue. What does the Bible have to say about women, sex, and periods about their monthly menstrual flow okay I kind of mentioned that in the opening and yes the Bible does have something to say about that there's two comparative texts on that issue the first is found in Leviticus chapter 18 verse 19 Leviticus chapter 18 verse 19 Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 19 also, thou shalt not approach unto a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is put apart for her uncleanness. The second is found in Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 18. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 18. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 18. And if a man shall lie with a woman having her sickness, and shall uncover her nakedness, he hath discovered her fountain, and she hath uncovered the fountain of her blood, and both of them shall be cut off from among their people. Okay, now, 
The only thing it says here, all through the Old Testament, and you notice it's Old Testament, two texts. It only talks about that she is supposed to be separated during that time. And also that in the New Testament, it talks about that she's supposed to give during that time a offering because of that. Now, the main reason I believe when you search out the scripture is this. Why? It's the fountain of her blood. Remember, the blood was the life. Okay? It was the life as we studied. Okay? And we're going to study further about this later in this message. It was the life. Okay? It was always symbolic of life. It was the life of man. Now, the fact is, it was the fountain of her life. And if you've ever noticed, women, when you have that time, you always feel weaker. Why? Because you're technically losing some of your life. That's all there is to it. If you've ever gotten an injury and you've bled, you feel weaker. It's that simple. Now, what is God saying here? When he talks about being cut off. Now, hello, churches. Hello, Christians, nitpickers. That doesn't mean that if somebody had sex during a period, I don't think this means that today that you should cut them off and they're unsaved and they're going to hell. I think we've gone too far with this nonsense. Okay? I think, see... Back then, there was a lot of misunderstanding as to what was going on with the period. Now we've come a long way. We understand what's going on, that the bleeding has to do with the inner lining of the uterus coming out, and it was part of the reproductive process. We understand a lot of things about it. But the big issue here is with the body, we have to understand that, yes, some... It's a personal choice, but in all honesty, my own personal preference, I wouldn't, okay? My own personal point, and it has nothing to do with Bible, okay? Although the Bible has something to say against it, and it has nothing to do with it's sin. It's just the fact that, you know, it's a personal thing that, hey, you know, way I figure it, yes, the woman is going to be weaker at that time. She's going to feel less blah. Why? Because she is bleeding. She's losing some of her life at the moment. Why is she going to feel like doing anything? Now, others, they feel more sexual at that time. Well, hey, that's between them, the Lord, and each person has their own personal conviction at that time. Now, it, that's between them and God. I don't believe that God is, because there's not one New Testament reference that says that a woman having a period is going to hell or is sinful just because she's having sex. So I think Christians, and I don't see one New Testament reference that Jesus said that a woman having her monthly is in sin. So... I think that we need to take that context and say, well, you know, 
We need to say, look, it's a personal preference in that situation, okay? I'm just saying my own personal point, I wouldn't. Now, to each person, the Bible just makes it plain that, that it's because of the life. The blood is the life, and a woman is going to feel weaker at that point. So you could take that, you could read it, and you could do as you like with it. But my own personal preference, I think that I wouldn't personally. And that's just the way it's going to be. But you do, with your convictions, what God tells you to do. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, our next topic that I'd like to cover, and it kind of takes us back to a section that we did at the very beginning there that had a nice long introduction. It talks about what was promised in the Bible. It talks about God giving a promise about the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, this has 19 comparative verses. Let's first look at them, and then we're going to talk about it. The first one is found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. Exodus chapter 3, and verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Our next text is found in the same book, same chapter, Exodus chapter 3, and verse 17. Exodus chapter 3, and verse 17. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 17. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now continue on in Exodus. We go to Exodus chapter 13 and verse 5. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 5. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 5. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee, a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Okay, continuing on in the book of Exodus, we go to Exodus chapter 33 and verse 3. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 3. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 3. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Now we switch books on you, and we go to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 24, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 24, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 24. But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Our next scripture take us to Numbers chapter 13 and verse 27. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 27. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. 
and this is the fruit of it. Now we continue on in the book of Numbers, and we go to chapter 14 and verse 8. Numbers chapter 14, verse 8. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 8. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Now continuing on in the book of Numbers, we go to Numbers chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Numbers chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Numbers chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us? Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. And now switching books again, we go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Continuing on in the book of Deuteronomy, we go to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 11, and verse 9. And that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. And still continuing on in the book of Deuteronomy, we go to Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 9. And he hath brought us into this place, and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. Now we continue same book, same chapter in Deuteronomy chapter 26, but we go to verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 15. Look down from thy holy habitation from heaven and bless thy people Israel and the land which thou hast given us as thou swearest unto our fathers, a land that floweth with milk and honey. And yes, more from the book of Deuteronomy. We go to chapter 27. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 27, and verse 3. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. And our last... Scripture reference for the book of Deuteronomy, but not by far not the last of all our references yet, is found in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 20. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 20. For when I shall have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat, then will they turn unto other gods and serve them, and provoke me and break my covenant. Our next reference is in Joshua chapter 5, verse 6. Joshua chapter 5, verse 6. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 6. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord swear that he would not show them the land which the Lord swear unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that flowed with milk and honey. Our next reference is found in Jeremiah, 
Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 5. That I may perform the oath which I have sworn unto your fathers, to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as it is this day. Then answered I and said, So be it, O Lord. Our next reference is also in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 22. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 22. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 22. And hast given them this land, which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. Our next reference is to be found in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 20. Verse 6, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 6, Ezekiel chapter 20, and verse 6. In the day that I lifted up mine hand unto them, to bring them forth of the land of Egypt, into a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. And finally, the last, though certainly not least, is found in the same book, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 20, same chapter, and verse 15, Ezekiel chapter 20, and verse 15. Ezekiel chapter 20, and verse 15. Yet also I lifted up my hand unto them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Ooh-wee, now do we catch all of this? When it's talking about a land that floweth with milk and honey, Basically, we are talking about a land that is prospered and obviously where there's plenty of food to eat and obviously when you got plenty to eat, you're healthy. And when you're healthy, see, you not only are you healthy and your cattle are healthy, etc. Now think about it. See, this isn't just plenty of milk in your cattle, in your cows. Think about it. Not only is there plenty of milk in your cows, but if your wife has got plenty of milk, she's going to have plenty of milk in her breasts. In her breasts, obviously, for her baby, too. Okay? But as we're going to see later, there's another importance to that milk in the breasts. So I just want you to hold on to your seat for that point because God had a reason for mentioning a land that floweth with milk and honey. Now, there had to be a very important reason for him mentioning a land that floweth with milk and honey, meaning there would be plenty of food there, that there would be plenty there. He had a reason for telling his people that. I don't think he had 19 references in his word over something like this just to be talking out of the corner of his hat, out of the top of his hat, or just to be blabbing. God don't do things like that. He has good reason. So let's find out what he really had to say. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, now I want us to notice something about one of the most unique offerings that God told his people that was supposed to be given to the priests. Of all the offerings that the priests were allowed as the tithe, what was the tithe offering that they were supposed to only have? What was it? The tenth or the tithe, what were they supposed to have? Of all the offerings, there was only a certain portion. It was called the heave offering. And what was that heave offering? 
Well, there are eight comparative texts that tell us what that heave offering was supposed to be. Let's see what they are. The first of those eight texts is found in Exodus chapter 29, verses 26 and 27. Exodus chapter 29, verses 26, 27. Exodus chapter 29, verses 26 and 27. And thou shalt take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be thy part. And thou shalt sanctify the breast of the wave offering and the shoulder of the heave offering which is waved and which is heaved up of the ram of the consecration, even of that which is for Aaron and of that which is for his sons. The next of the eight comparative, the second of the eight comparative, is found in chapter Leviticus chapter 7, Leviticus chapter 7, verses 30 and 31, Leviticus chapter 7, verses 30 and 31, Leviticus chapter 7, verses 30 and 31. His own hands shall bring the offerings of the Lord made by fire, the fat with the breast. It shall he bring, that the breast may be waved for a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest shall burn the fat upon the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his son's. The next one is found in the very same chapter, same book, same chapter, Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 34. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 34. Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 34. For the wave breast and the heave shoulder have I taken of the children of Israel from off the sacrifices of their peace offerings, and have given them unto Aaron the priest and unto his sons by a statute forever from among the children of Israel. Now we continue on with this heave offerings comparative, and we continue on in the same book. It's found in Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 29, Leviticus chapter 8, verse 29, Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 29. And Moses took the breast and waved it for a wave offering before the Lord. For of the ram of consecration, it was Moses' part, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now we continue on in the book of Leviticus to chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Leviticus chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Leviticus chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. And they put the fat upon the breasts, and he burnt the fat upon the altar. And the breasts and the right shoulder Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses commanded. The next one is found in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. And the wave breast and heave shoulder shall ye eat in a clean place, thou and thy sons and thy daughters with thee. For they be thy due and thy sons' due, which are given out of the sacrifices of peace offerings of the children of Israel. The heave shoulder and the wave breast shall they bring with the offerings made by fire of the fat to wave it for a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be thine and thy sons with thee, by a statute forever, as the Lord hath commanded. The next one we switch books to Numbers chapter 6, verse 20. Numbers chapter 6, verse 20. Numbers chapter 6, and verse 20. And the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. This is holy for the priest, with the wave breast and heave shoulder. And after that, the Nazarite may drink wine. And finally, the last comparative for this thing about the heave offering is, last text on it, is Numbers chapter 18 and verse 18. Numbers chapter 18, verse 18. Numbers chapter 18 and verse 18. 
and the flesh of them shall be thine, as the waved breast and as the right shoulder are thine. Ooh, well, now isn't this interesting? What is the heave offering? The heave offering, first of all, heave offering or wave offering, was for two purposes. A, it was to consecrate either a priest or a Nazarite, consecration offering, or B, it was for the peace offerings. And it was the part that the priest was to keep for himself to eat, E-A-T. It was his food. Now, what part was he supposed to take? Notice, of the offering, because it was an animal, a sheep, a goat, whatever. Now, what part was he supposed to take? The head? No. The tongue? No. The eyes? No. The feet? The legs? No. The rump? No. Isn't it interesting? It's the two breasts, plural, B-R-E-A-S-T-S, breasts, and the right, not the left, only the right shoulder. Isn't it interesting? It's the breasts and the right shoulder that were to be waved as a wave offering and a heave offering where they lifted up and waved it. That was their due. You better believe it. It was the wave offering. And that was the heave offering. It wasn't any other part of the body of the animal. I find that interesting. <laughs> what people need to do is open it up, read their Bible, and weep. Oh, right. Here's one that most people are going to say, what? <laughs> but it's true. It's in the Bible. Obviously, there were some things. Men that in the Bible had what is medically known as gynecomastia, or better known as what we know today as gynecomastia, the medical condition. But as more people better know as males with large breasts. But what more people don't know is that men that have that, some of them, can and do and are capable of is that they're capable of producing breast milk. And yes, even Job, which many Bible scholars do know, the book of Job is the, they say, is the oldest book of the Bible, not the book of Genesis. But even in the book of Job, he mentions men with breast that have breast milk. Don't believe me. All right, let's first look at the text, and then we're going to see what he had to say. Let's look in Job chapter 21, verses 22 to 26. Job chapter 22. I should say Job chapter 21, verses 22 to 26. Job chapter 21. Verses 22 to 26. 
Job chapter 21, verses 22 to 26. Shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judgeth those that are high? One dieth in his full strength, being holy at ease and quiet. His breasts are full of milk, and his bones are moistened with marrow. And another dieth in the bitterness of his soul, and never eateth with pleasure. They shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worms shall cover them. Ooh-wee! Did you catch it? Yep. It says here, it gives a comparison of two men that are dying, that God, he, that God is asking about, asking Job about, that, you know, when they die, what is the end of them? Well, basically, when they both die, they end up in the dust. Basically, whether rich or whether poor, they both die. Now, think about it. The man who is basically just like even a woman, if she's healthy and able to breastfeed her child, because obviously if a woman is healthy and she has a child, if she's, got, if she's healthy and she's got lots of food, her breasts are going to produce milk. Well, the same thing if a man has gynecomastia and has enlarged breasts, and, and if a baby happens to latch on enough, He'll produce milk, believe it or not. And in fact, it's been known, scientists have proven, a man don't even have to have enlarged breasts. They have proven this, that even a man with regular breasts, a baby latches on enough, he'll produce milk. Been proven. So, whether you like it or not, that's fact. Fact, cowboy. Uh, but the fact is, here, Job says that... There's a man that has breasts. He's fat. He's been feeding good, eating good. He has milk in his breasts and marrow in his bones. He's basically healthy, fat, 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 and hearty. Okay? And the other guy, he's basically not so healthy, not so good, not so good off. But when they both die, they're in the same boat. They're going to be going right back to the dust from which they came. Uh, basically, you remember old uh, there's this guy who was a famous warrior. He said this, quote, and it was like this. He says to his countrymen, he said, you know, when I die, I want you to bury my hands outside the garment you put me in. Because I want my countrymen to see that I went out like any beggar in the street. I went in empty-handed. And I came out, and I'm going out the same way, empty-handed. See, that man knew that even though he whooped every nation that he came up against, 
that, look, it didn't mean nothing. Even Hitler, as mean and nasty as he was, guess where he ended up with? Dead. In the same place, he's empty-handed. Now think about it. Even the Egyptian king, King Tut, where did he end up with? Even though he, they buried him with all that stuff, who got it? It sure wasn't him. They put it in that uh, pyramid with him. Guess what? Grave robbers come and got it. He sure didn't take it with him. In simple terms, I'm just going to say it two ways. You never see a hearse pull a U-Haul. Furthermore, you don't see a hearse with a luggage rack. Amen. Amen. And amen. Okay. So you don't believe me that uh, men had breasts back in the old days and that some of them may have even produced breast milk, do you? Okay, then. Why do you think, then, that even Moses would have come up with this scripture? Let's take a look at it. Numbers chapter 11, verse 12. Numbers chapter 11, verse 12. Numbers chapter 11 and verse 12. Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth the sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? <laughs> you notice what Moses is saying here? He's getting a little discouraged with the children of Israel, with their stiff neck, hard-headedness, because they've been driving them up the wall. And in one of his rare moments here, he's asking a question of God. Now, he did not say, God, why are you asking me to bring these people along? Why are you asking me to guide them like a shepherd? Why are you asking me to guide these people like a GPS or whatever? Why are you asking me to do all this? I don't know where I'm supposed to be going. You're not even telling me where to go. No, you notice the words he uses. He says, did I bear them? Meaning, am I a woman? Do I have women's parts? Do I have a... I'm going to get blunt here, so hopefully you got the little ones out of sound range. Do I have a vagina? I'm a guy. No. I don't have that, as, I don't have that equipment. I didn't bear these people. But all of a sudden, he gets to... The upper anatomy, and all of a sudden he does have that. He says, as a nursing father beareth, means carries in his arms, the sucking child. Meaning, oh, I could carry in my arms. the sucking child at my breast. Oh, I could do that. I can bear or carry a sucking child at my breast. Now, isn't that interesting that Moses would give that analogy that, you're, God, you're asking me to carry these people 
and take care of them like a nursing father? Uh, come on, Dr. Broadbottom. Head scratching time. Uh, tell me that in even in the oldest books of the Bible, that men did not have breasts and did not breastfeed. See, even men did it. So when food was plentiful, not only did women breastfeed, but men did it. So what was the purpose in it? It was not, there had to be a reason for this more than just for children. Now, why in heaven would God have men and women breastfeeding? Did you ever think on that one? As a nursing father, beareth the sucking child. Of course, now, obviously, it would be for the children. And think about it. If the father was breastfeeding the children and mama did it too, then it wouldn't be as much on mama. Mama could help out, do what she had to do, and the children would also be, so it would be a, a shared burden. Uh, isn't that pretty sad now that now it's all mama has to do it and daddy, he can do what he pleases. I'm sorry. No, it should be a shared burden. Amen? Come on. But no, we got more civilized. No, I don't think it's civilized. I think it ought to be a shared burden. Uh, wait a minute. God gave man the equipment there too. Oh, well, I don't think it's dignified. Oh, shut up. Oh, you don't find it so, not so dignified to walk in there to the refrigerator and pick up a gallon of homogenized or whatever milk. Uh, excuse me. Uh, didn't you read the, listen very carefully about the properties of milk? The gallon of milk you got in that refrigerator has got the same properties of cow's milk, same chemical properties as what's in a woman's breasts. Same chemical properties as a cow's milk. The only difference is one comes from a cow, one comes from a human. So what's your beef? Get over it. Oh, well, it ain't dignified. Oh, get over it. Shut up. Your problem is you get on all this. Look, if it's done discreetly, there's not a problem with it. Amen. 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 All right. <laughs> Dr. Broadbottom and you students at Baylor University worshiping Baal. It's time to blow your little theological boat right out of the water. Because if you don't believe that men have breasts or you think it's tacky, you don't believe the verses that we already shared, then what do you do with the fact that Jesus Christ's heavenly body, and I emphasize heavenly and or spiritual body, And the angels' spiritual bodies 
are described as having, even though they are male, and I emphasize male, for all those who want to think that they're female, no, they are male, gender male, but they, even though they are a gender of a man, male, they are described as having paps, which is another name for breasts. Don't believe me. Well, there are two comparative texts to back this up. They have paps or breasts, and they wear a golden girdle. And there are two texts to back this up, and let's look at them. The first is found in Revelation chapter 15, verse 6. Revelation chapter 15, verse 6. Revelation chapter 15 and verse 6. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. Okay, the second text about the angels' heavenly bodies and Jesus' heavenly body having paps and or breasts, even though they're men and or males, and they have breasts, and wear a golden girdle in their heavenly and or spiritual bodies. The second comparative text about that is found in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Okay. Now, as you can see, both Jesus' golden girdle, who is the Son of Man, and the angels' golden girdles are both in the same position. And one says breast, one says paps. Now, later, we're going to find in another text that these words are synonymous with each other. They mean the same thing. Now, what is my point? What does this have to do with anything? My point is that Jesus has a reason for having breasts. See, Jesus himself has a reason for it. Remember, Jesus would be healthy. Jesus is a wealthy father. And he wants to give good things to his children. And we're about to find out what that reason is. Most people miss this. Most people, this just flies right over the top of their heads. But in our next point, we're not going to let it fly over the top of your heads no more. Most people, they've read these scriptures, and it's flown right over the top of their heads, but we're about to make the connection. And you're about to find out where... It comes from. Okay? So, we're going to find out. 
So it's time we finally read our Bibles, allowed ourselves to read our Bibles, and weep.